Come on, man. Let's do something that really cooks. This is, uh, this is an oldie, but, uh, well, it, it's an oldie where I come from. All right, guys, uh, listen, this is the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. Here we are. Episode 101. So this is the first episode of the next 100. After we recapped our first 100 episodes last week for you. Wonderful episode. Good job there, Ben. On the, thanks, uh, Scott. You had some great contributions you, yourself. Well, thanks for saying. But uh, I have to admit, a little embarrassed that 40 minutes of it was devoted to shit stories. Yeah. And I realized, <laughs> wow, we really have cornered a market here, you know. We played Pooh Bum mm-hmm. yeah. most of last year. I never really Bum. thought of myself as a shit shittist, a shit fetishist. <laughs> I mean, I, I I vomit during the shit eating scene in Pink Flamingos. Uh, the worst time I've ever had in a movie was during Solo. You know, it's just it's not something I really am into. But listening to that episode, I might have a problem. Gabe? You don't remember the second episode where Juliana was talking about her book and we were saying, you know, life on the road is nothing but trying to find a good bathroom. It's true. That's one of the great things about her book. Actually, there's a whole Juliana segment that we cut out that has something to do with... Uh, well, we'll have Poop. to cut this out too. But didn't we? Didn't she have a? Wasn't she getting ready for a colonoscopy? And we doing <laughs> no, I was getting ready for the colonoscopy. You were, but she taught. But she had just done it or something. She, had, she talked had, about. She it. had done one before. Right. And she was talking me through it. Right, but we cut out all her references to her own colonoscopy. I think. I don't know. I don't think that's what it something was. got was cut some, out because we were talking was, about maybe her. She was more than happy to talk about her <laughs> colonoscopy. Right. Right. She, couldn't shut, she couldn't shut up about it. She's got a problem. I didn't talk about the fact that I didn't want to do a colonoscopy, so I did the alternative. I shit in a box and put it in the mail. <laughs> I did that last what? week. I didn't mention it. What? You never had that done, Ben? No. What? For those who are afraid to do the colonoscopy, you can, you can poop in a box. That put doesn't in the make UPS, any sense. 
Send it to the UPS store and they'll no. take it. When they do a colonoscopy, <laughs> they want to look, in, look at your fire. colon. They're looking to see what's going on inside you. They don't give a shit about your shit. That's not what the no, colonoscopy is. No, but they can get is. they can get the signs of what's going on from oh, yeah? your feces. Really? Now, and you just sent this to some <laughs> some no. random person. Are you sending it to a doctor or somebody named Charles? You send it to the lab. It's uh, I forgot the name of the company, but you know. Yeah. What is it about the colonoscopy that you were scared to to understand? Scared? Who who would want anything to do with that? What are you talking about? You're a scaredy cat. Hell yes. No one's knocking me out and then taking their way with me. First of all, I can't believe we're talking about this again. (laughs) But first of all, you're knocked out. Okay. Second of all, nobody's having their way with you. I hope not. You're not going to be able to sue anybody or have witness. anybody arrested. It, can, this can is I have a, a medical procedure. No. Yeah, oh, there's witnesses. I want uh, my witness there, not theirs. I don't know what they're doing with those rubber gloves. You can't. I, I don't want anybody I know to be there. I'm just saying. There was actually somebody I knew at mine. And as I was fading out, I saw him pull out a CD and go, can I get this signed? <laughs> Justine did get the feeling that the guy that wheeled me in afterwards knew who I was. And, and she, you know, she thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was mortifying. <laughs> Gabe, who do we have on today's episode? Today we have Alan Epley. Oh, Alan Epley. Of the, uh, the band Shiner, Life and Times, now has a solo record. Just and, released uh, his first solo record called Everything. Broasis? Don't forget Broasis. There's a He's podcast. An Oasis cover band called Broasis. And it's Bird Hands. Band. Right? That's another one. Bird Hands with, uh, with our buddy Ian Prince from Minneapolis. Uh, and and he a, has podcast. a podcast. Yeah. The Third Gear Scratch podcast. So uh, we gotta be, we've got to be really good this time because he's. Is he the first one of our guests that has his own podcast? Ooh, that's no, a good it was question. James. Oh, that's right, oh, yeah. James Vanessa. Sorry, I forgot about him. How can I forget about him? James is James is pod James's podcast is up for Chicago's best podcast again this year. But I didn't see our name on the fucking list. <laughs> we blew it. We, <laughs> we blew, blew it. it. We had all that goodwill last year, and it, we squandered yeah. it. <laughs> What I did find out, we got a bunch of feedback from our 100th episode, and what seems to be a common theme is that we are the favorite podcast of people who don't listen to podcasts. Mm. <laughs> listener after listener says, I'm not into podcasts, but I listen to you guys every week. So, right. there you go. That, 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 that's kind of one of those things that, like, when people are at a bar and they go, listen, I'm not a racist, but, right, you know, that's what that sounds like to me. Yeah. <laughs> so alan is uh, he's he's a lifer he's about as as lifery as you're gonna get and he's a sweetheart he's a terrific guy and he's been playing in bands we've been going to see his bands for years been on tour with his bands and he's got a new solo record and it's terrific speaking of lifers uh gabe you have this idea for a new bit, uh, I, I think you, you, you want to try to tell us what you what you what you want to do here. I I don't really get it. 
I haven't hashed it out with everybody, but I think we've gone away from your story and how you got to be a lifer, the inspiration of the whole podcast in the first place. So I, th I think even especially the, the listeners, they want to know more about your story. And I thought that maybe we can come up with some bits to talk about what inspired you to start and how you got to where you are. Okay, so you want to start a new bit about me. No, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm narcissistic enough that this is fine with me. What do you want to call this bit that's, of yours? That's a good question. Ben comes up with the better names for the bits. Or did you come up with Ben's bits? I don't know what to call this. I came up with Ben's bits. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are constantly calling everything we do a bit. And uh, I think it implies that these are pre-planned segments. And the truth is, we don't really plan anything. So I'd, I'd like That's to stop truth. calling stuff bits. But uh, Se a Segment. You like segment? Segment, yeah. Skits? Okay. Segment. Uh, block. Whatever you do, want to call it. Do they still do skits on hip-hop records? They used to. Yeah, I know they used to. <laughs> Did, have they stopped? Because they were... Anyway... Scott's path to being a lifer? I mean, what, what do you want to call this thing? I don't know. We don't know. If we, we don't have to come up with a name today. But yeah, well, yes, we do. Let's do, do this right now. Come up a with Scott a name. Lucas, a Scott Lucas history moment. A lifer moment with Scott Lucas. Gabe gets to know Scott. Gabe drags it out of Scott. How about that? No. This week on... Uh, who knows we're not going to come up with a name today well then we're not going to do the bit we'll have the bit name before it airs and Ben will come up with it and mash it all together in song <laughs> how about we do this you're going to be the guy that like does the we'll use the filter that he used in the beginning of last week I, and I'll, I I'll just came up it. with something on the spot I think okay. every week we should do one shot with Scott where Scott has a shot of whiskey and we get one shot at asking him a single question about something in his life that he has to then share an anecdote about. One one shot with Scott. All right. What do you say, Scott? He takes a shot of whiskey. We throw one question at him. He has to answer it. Almost like if a truth If you had one day. shot. That's good. I like one, it. One shot with one Scott. Sh yeah. All right. Here we go. One shot with Scott. Wait, wait, it's dry January, so we can't do it this month. We'll, we'll, do, we'll start this next month. Or unless, have you been doing Gabe, dry you January? Ever... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in dry January, but it's kind of not really happening. I've got to go to a Hey, party. We're probably going to do dry. What, are you drinking water? I'm, uh, not every day, but now I am. Right <laughs> You're not drinking water every day. You should drink water every day. Not all day. <laughs> Well, you're drinking Dasani, and only a crazy non-drinking, non-water drinking person would drink Dasani. My dog drinks Dasani. <laughs> I know. One shot with Gabe. No, no, no. One, one Gatorade with Gabe. <laughs> Every Back week to we're going to ask Gabe a medical question about his okay. own problems. <laughs> so I'll do a shot of water then. For now. But next month, it'll be something else. All right. So one shot with Scott. Do you have the Do you have the question for Scott lined up, Gabe? I actually don't, Ben. I thought you were going to come up with it. What? <laughs> this okay. This I sounds can. like a very ill-conceived bit. No, we're going to. I want to hear. I, I, I've got a question that I was thinking of. Go ahead, take a shot. 
Oh, you, you, who cares? Take, drink but some. But is this guy. anything about my path to being a lifer? I mean, because... Yeah. All right, what, what is it? One shot with Scott. I don't think I... I don't... And I could be wrong, but I was just basically listening to the first episode. I don't think I've actually heard... And maybe you don't remember it. This is me fumfering. <laughs> Come on, oh, spit God, it I'm out. The worst. Uh, <laughs> when was the actual first time that you met Gabe? What was that first encounter? Do you remember the first time you were introduced to Gabe? Right, I don't like Tell that us question. about that. So, uh, <laughs> in high school, they had this this uh, program called the Gifted Program. Now, my grades weren't anywhere close to being what they had to be to be in this gifted program. But Mrs. Richter, who was in control of the, not control, but, you know, headed the gifted program. I, she knew that, you know, I was into music and all this crap. And so she would sneak me into certain things that they would do. And, and one of the things that they did is they had Billy Branch, who is this amazing, amazing harmonica player here in Chicago. Um, he played at the school. And right. I worked at the, the movie theater at that time. And Billy Branch is in that scene in uh, Adventures of Babysitting when they go, no one gets out of here without singing the blues. And so I'm like looking at this guy because I'd seen that movie a million times when I was working at the theater. I'm like, I know that's that guy. I know that he's in that. And that's at the time, that's all I knew him from, you know, I'm just in high school. So uh, I, I kept asking these guys all these questions. It was like Billy Branch and this guitar player, I, I can't remember the guitar player's name. He might still play with them. And they were playing all these great blues songs. And they did this cover of Key to the Highway, where Billy played this one note for 24 bars. You know, it's 12-bar blues. goes around once. That's the 12 bars. He kept going. And it went around again. And it went around the turnaround again. And then at the end, he was like, whoa and like came out of it and it just fucking flipped me out i could not believe what i was hearing and what i was seeing you know and um it was incredible he's got this circular breathing technique anyway i kept asking them all these questions and finally one of them goes this guy plays guitar doesn't he you're like do you play guitar and i'm like yeah i do and the guy the guitar just takes it off he's like come on up here you know and play and so i get up there and i played with them and everything and you know it was great and uh you know they they flattered me and you know all that stuff and they were really nice to me so afterwards they're like hey you want to help us load the stuff out right and so i was like yeah you know so i'm helping them carry their amps out back to the school and i don't know if what i was expecting i don't know if I was expecting a, a bus or you know a van but you know it was like this little car like a fucking volvo or something like that and you know in the back seat was this child seat and i had to scoot the child seat over in order to fit the amp inside and that blew me away and that's when i went oh you know music is this is what a lifer looks like you know i i didn't know that phrase and i it wasn't something I used, but it was like, these guys play music because they love it. And, you know, there's none of this trapping about rock star bullshit. And they're playing the blues because 
that's who they are and they love it. And that might've been like the first time I was like, this is probably what I can expect from this life. And I'm cool with it. How old were you? Well, I was like 17. So not that young, but you know, just as far as like, you got a glimpse. Yeah. Got a glimpse of, at, at the gigging life. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. You know, but I, I, I was so blown away by what, what they were doing and what they were playing that I was like, I, I'd do that. I'd put up with that to play that. I'm fine with that. So really, even at 17, it wasn't that you had rock star dreams. You had a re- sort of realistic vision of what your life might be if you chose to just continue down the path of playing music. I think so. But I mean, I still wanted to play, you know, Rosemount Horizon and all that crap. But, but I, was, I was cool with this other thing that I saw. And plus, you know, people around us were, you know, listening to punk and in punk bands. And, you know, I was playing in a punk band. So it's kind of like that helps to temper your expectations as well. Right? And that's how I met Gabe. At that show? I wasn't there. And this has been One Shot with Scott. One Shot with Scott. All right, Gabe, there's, there's, there's your bit. So, it's a good bit. It's a good name, too. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, no, <laughs> Ben came up with it. Ben did come up with it. Scott, have you seen Skin and Marink? I have not seen Skin and Marink. Uh, Is it now? About- it's probably out of theaters now. No, it's still still in theaters. You sure, because it closed here tonight. tonight was the night. Tonight's the last night in Madison. I think it's playing tomorrow. Skin of my teeth. No skin of Max. What? You like skin of Max? I know you do. So I'm I'm sitting in the second row last night for Skin and Marink, and it's oh that's packed. right we're watching Skin and Marink. It's packed. The theater's packed. Every all the film cinephile hipsters can't wait to see Skin and Marink. And the only empty seats are in the front row. And just as the movie's starting, these two women and a tween (laughs) arrive and plant themselves in the front row. But the movie has started and they're not, they're like taking off their coats. They're standing right in front of the fucking screen, blocking the screen. They sit down, they immediately start having a conversation with themselves. Uh. And at the movie, they're like, oh, I know, oh, something's going to happen now. And then about five minutes in, I think they had ordered like a full course meal from this fucking place that they had. Their buzzers went off. They got up. They went and got their food. They came back. They're throwing food at each other. They're t- Again, they're talking. And like 50 times within the first 15 minutes of the movie, I was like, I got to get up. I know whatever I say to them and however I say it, it's going to turn into a big fight, maybe a physical fight. Right. It just seems like these were these kind of people. And I'm yeah. like, what do, I, what do I say? What's the, what's the approach? Because I can't take it. But I also was saying to myself, this movie is so fucking insane and experimental. They're not going to survive. I just have to wait them out. And sure enough, five minutes later, they finished their food. They got up, left, never came back. So I Nice. I sat so like 15 out. minutes into the movie? Yeah. Or or was it like 60 minutes in the movie? No, you no, no. sat there for 60 no, no, minutes. No, no, no. No, no, no. 15, 20 minutes tops. Well, I'm excited. I want to see it. Gabe? You? Is it a is this a, is it a horror movie? Yeah. <clears throat> I thought it was only come out in the fall. I I I thought I was in the clear for nine months. Uh, we went. I went to see Megan yesterday with 
with Blake. Don't ask, by the way. No. Don't fucking ask. But uh, there was like 10 horror movies coming out in April. Apparently, April is the new October. It's insane. You're right, Gabe. You thought oh, you were in April's, the clear. You're not. Isn't April Easter? No. April is Halloween now. No. I want St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day. You know, give me give me the rom-coms. Give me something besides having to dodge these commercials. The the calling this is a calling this a horror movie is a, is a, is almost a stretch. It looks like a seventies horror movie. I'm looking at I the trailer. Say I won't say nothing. Say no more. Not say, say no more. Say okay. I was terrified from time to time. Good. I can't wait. I, I'd love to see it. I'm ready to I'm ready to get my 2023 on. Yeah. Did did not start out well with Megan. Hmm. I told you not to ask. <laughs> hey, everybody! It's Alan Epley. Hi, Alan. How you doing? I'm I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year. Are we still doing that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if you haven't seen someone, and it's still in January, I think you see you say Happy New Year. Well, you're our first guest for the new year, as well as the first guest for our next hundred episodes. Wow, that was fast. Was it? How often do you record? I have tried to do one a week, but then I have stopped. And if I don't have somebody, I just don't worry about it and don't do it. I'll say, get caught up on some back episodes. And I just, I, they're not paying me enough to be too stressed about it. So <laughs> they're paying you? Yeah, no, in fact. So, um, okay. Mm hmm. Best behavior, so, guys. We're in the presence of a real podcaster i know i listened to the episode that he did with you and i was like i never heard these fucking stories on our podcast god damn it um oh yeah yeah also he had you 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 had it sounded like you had at least a sponsor on the episode i heard so that's you're also ahead of us in that game i've got i've got two sponsors and we'll we'll see what i get back and there's a uh, johnny drugan it's his drugan's drums he he rehabs um he and his brother have a a drum vintage drum business and they are doing very well for themselves and they rehab um slingerland and gretch and camco and ludwig kits but not just that but they also sell all kinds of stuff so yeah they're cool that's great tell Who's him to the, send uh, send a couple bucks our way for that spot you just did for them no i knew i knew he was gonna say that <laughs> i tried to cut him off but he fucking snuck in there yeah. who's the best uh interview that you've done on on the podcast. Who's the best interview? Besides me. Uh, besides you. Besides me. Um, probably Craig Wedron was great. And oh, fuck. He was great. And Dave Desmalchin has a great story. He's, uh, he's a, a buddy of mine from Kansas City, but he has turned into a big actor in, in uh, Hollywood. He's in, uh -huh. um, he's in all the Ant-Man films, and uh, he's in Blade Runner 2049 and prisoners and lots of he's a he's a big deal you know who else was amazing who has a story you would not believe Stephen howard from pine bender oh yeah oh my god dude that guy has lived a thousand lives yes <laughs> so a, a lot right. listen to those yeah what's the well, name of this podcast hold on what, what, we're third, talking about this podcast yeah we were talking about it earlier we didn't say the name of the podcast uh third gear scratch it is the it's the title of a Shiner song. It means nothing really. 
even in the song. So it's a good, it's a good name. Thank you. Well, it came from if you were laying scratch on your car, you know, you got first gear, and then if you were really getting at it, it's third or second gear, you could lay. But if you were really hitting it, you'd get third gear scratch, and so it seemed elusive, and it's rare. <laughs> I came up with a new name for our podcast, Scott. I want. Oh, great! The Perfect. Let's rebrand. Skinamarink. How do you like it? It sounds familiar. Okay. Well, if it's been done, then fuck it. Great. He's been doing this longer than us. 146 episodes. Yes. He's 140. <laughs> These guys are just catching up. You know, you, you've known Alan. <laughs> this is Gabe is doing his show, show prep right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch the third year scratch reference. It didn't pull up on his LinkedIn. Yeah. Bullshit. His LinkedIn? Is that what his you LinkedIn. do? I, I wouldn't go there for information that's pertinent. <laughs> He's got his own website, Gabe, and it's prominently on his own website. All right. God's sake. Uh, Gabe. Sorry, Scott. Go ahead. All right. Can, let, can let I get us this thing up. started? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. All right, Alan, you went and did it. You made a solo record. God damn it. Why now? Why not? Okay. Um, it was really... Uh, why now? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I had... Uh, I think I finally found another voice that was not Shiner or Life and Times or Bird Hands. There were some songs that came along and just were were none of the above. Right. And um, so I did not want to turn it into a group project. I was I was like, I this is great. I don't want to fuck with this. I don't want anybody else to have any opinions. Uh-huh. And so I didn't. You know, <clears throat> I had I let Dan Dixon have some opinion and Mike Burns uh, added a lot. So when I added Mike Burns on lap steel, it changed all the songs. Cause I had a, almost all the songs at least mapped out or, you know, with my drums and guitar and, you know, bass and keys and a lot of vocals, but I had, I added Mike Burns on lap steel and it changed the whole tone. Yeah. Of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that leaps out on the first listen is Mike's yeah. lap steel. I mean, it's got that almost an AM country vibe to it, but this is not a country record, which is what kind of fucks me up. It's not a country record. It's a sad kind of space. There is some country elements to it, but it's not a country record. It, it um, like a big record for me is that Beck's uh, Sea Change record mm-hmm. from Beck, and um, I love that band Bread. I love, I love that old shit yeah. from my mom and dad's <laughs> record collection. The best of bread record was a big deal for me. But so those kind of tunes, those just like endlessly heartbroken tunes. Have you like, have you ever listened, really listened to the song diary? I found your diary underneath a tree. It's the saddest song in the world. I can't believe no. it's the saddest song in the world. You got to hear it. So I think I was just kind of channeling some of that stuff. Pandemic helped me finish it. And the pandemic was, um, kind of sad you know throughout it was good yeah. for staying home and you know drinking too much and easy right. to be sad and you know that kind yeah. of thing so it was during the pandemic that you started it started before it and it allowed me to finish it the pandemic allowed me to finish a couple of projects so you had the record release show like what was that last week and two weeks ago at the bottle it was great who's in the live band burns and i got eric jabot on drums and a young lad, and I say young, he just looks young. He's 40 years old still, but he's, mm-hmm. to me, that's very young. Right. Um, that's Brandon Rios, and he's the secret sauce on bass and keys. And he is 
a multi-talented individual. Also plays in Mike Lust's band. Lust okay. kind of he plucked him from me, which you know that's fine. But that Lust record's pretty good too. It's actually really good. Yeah, I am a big fan. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So how did all this start? I mean, when you were a kid, what band turned your head around? It wasn't Bread, was it? No, no. I was I was raised in a musical house. Uh, my folks are musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, they are professors at the college, and they always were hustling too because they always had church jobs on the weekend. So um, I was raised in around music all the time. I had to go sing in their choirs. Um, there was no question what I would major in college. I just it's what I wanted to do. And um, so, did it, you go to? You didn't go to the college that they were. That, no, that they were. I, actually, I did end up going where Dad went. They got divorced when I was in high school. And dad ended up in Kansas City. And so uh-huh. I went to William Jewell College in Kansas City, just north of town in Liberty, Missouri. It's a, a fine liberal arts institution. At that time, it was a, a Baptist affiliated. So there was, it was stricter than it is now. It's, it's grown its roots. So when you're in college, that's when you decide you're going to live in Kansas City or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, college was... Um, I mean, I was already playing guitar in, in high school and dreaming of being in a band. I told dad, I'm not going to college. I'm going to start a band. He goes, that's fine. Come start a band in college. I get free school here, so come up to Kansas City. I was in Louisville. I grew up and born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So, so that's my <clears throat> my time there. I spent a lot of time in church going to different, you know, it was um, the all the youth groups and stuff like that. I was still smoking weed and drinking beer on the weekends with my friends, but we, our party, our group also went to church and that was, those are all the first girls we dated and were in our youth group. And, um, so I went to, then I went to college in Kansas city in 86 and, um, yeah, started the band, the industry and my second year with a couple guys. Was uh, that a cover band? Yes. But what covers we were, um, we started, well, you know, we were hitting the big hitters at the time. We were, it was all REM, okay, U2, mm-hmm. Police, all right. And then, but we were the band that expanded into Led Zeppelin and Cheap Trick and uh-huh. um, Pretenders. And we did, you know, there were some of those songs you had to do, like um, Blister in the Sun. Yeah, right. everybody had <laughs> to do course. Blister in the Sun, yeah. yeah, at that time. You didn't have a band without that, and, and or um. Now, when you sing, is it blister in the sun or glister in the sun? I would have thought it was blister, but I is it glister? Someone once told me it was glister. Ben, do you have any insight on this? Well, I, I know the name of the song is Blister in the Sun. Right. But someone said it was glister. Actually. Somebody says that uh, what's-his-name is actually singing glister. <laughs> what? Somebody says the lead singer from Violent Femmes is actually saying glister. Glister. That's what you're telling me. That's, that's what I have I never heard. heard that before. Am I the only one that's heard this? But by the way. Okay. In Blinded by the Light, is it revved up like a deuce or revved up like a douche? Oh, well, it's deuce, obviously. Not when you hear Manfred Mann sing it. <laughs> so when did you get out of that? Into we, it morphed into a... It morphed into a uh, an originals band and so we put out a record and we opened for um 
our big thing was we got we won this contest with KY 102 in Kansas City. That was the big station. It was like mm-hmm. KC in St. Louis or wherever, or the Loop here in town. This was KY 102, and we won right. this giant thing to open for this band, Shooting Star. And Shooting yeah, Shooting Star was a band. They had a hit in the seventies. They were like How? the Missouri. They were like Missouri's version of Kansas. They had Is a that guy the who band that had that song called Hollywood. Uh, I don't know that. They had a song that was called everybody thought was kansas it goes today may be your last chance to believe in yourself your last chance there's a fiddle in it It, everybody thought it was everybody was sure it was kansas it's not scott you're you're right there is a song called hollywood by shooting star okay is that the same shooting star that he has to be i'm I'm the lyrics yeah. yeah, dude, I was obsessed with that Hollywood song by Shooting Star. That's it didn't it. sound like Kansas though. It almost sounded like Triumph or something. It was yeah. They were a band that didn't. I could see that different songs. Wait, sound, kind of what's the? Even. Do you remember what the name of that song is, Alan? Last Chance. Okay, let's listen to it. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna go for it, we might as well. Go I think we should. I recognize the riff. You know, the the, the hook there. You do? I, oh, I yeah. don't recognize that. I well, listen I, to the loop at work every day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fiddle. Well, it sounds, yeah. Sounds like it would be Kansas. When the stranger came to town All the people walked with wonder in the It's mysterious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is definitely the Hollywood band. Imagine this at Memorial Hall in Kansas City. So they probably played Hollywood, too. You got to hear Hollywood live. Hell, yeah. I I mean, I guess. (laughs) It's about to turn on right here, y'all. Stand by. You know this, kid? When it gets to the chorus, it's going to sound like Triumph. It does sound like Triumph here. Yeah, I know this. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the oh industry God. got the chance to open. They had a new record in like okay. 88 or 9 or a, a reunion record or something. And they were mm-hmm. playing Memorial Hall, which is where I saw... Fugazi and Beck and Striper and Nirvana on in utero. All this, this is a great room. It's the best room in Kansas City, Kansas. And somebody needs to get it open right now. But it, my band, the industry, won the opportunity with KY 102 to open for Shooting Star. And we did it. And we walk out and we out on stage and we have our tiny little amps and we don't know anything about anything. It's like the first real show we've ever had. And we have, <laughs> and like literally our guitarist, Joe Hart, rest in peace has one guitar and he walks out on stage and it goes blowing and it's <laughs> completely out of tune in front of 3000 fans waiting to hear us shred so we stopped and tuned i was i do a little stage but how's everybody doing i Are can't you hear us? you <laughs> and then he's right. still to he's still tuning and uh, but we ripped, we ripped a gig, and okay, it was good. yeah. So it was one of those nights. So it's just like a movie. Just like out, a movie changed our lives forever. Strings, and then you say something, and there's feedback. Mm-hmm. How come there's always feedback? 
Every time someone gets a microphone, there's always feedback. <laughs> Every time. Hello. Beep. Yeah. That's the way it is. So when did you start Shiner? Uh, industry begat Shiner. So the drummer in the industry, he and I started anew when the industry had run its course around 1991 or two. And um, oh, that's Clayton Brown, Jeff Brown, my buddy from college. And um, so we started jamming with Sean Sherrill, um, who mm-hmm. was in, who owns Record Bar with, with Steve Tulipana, or Mini Bar. Right. And uh, so we started just, I was showing Sean, didn't know how to play bass. And we were just like, hey, put your fingers here. And he was like, okay, well, it sounded good. He's musical. And so um, we, he and I started jamming. We wrote like eight or so songs. We played three shows at a couple of in stores, um, at Groove Farm in town. And, uh, and then Tim Dow and I were at the Hurricane and uh, this was a band called we were called orchid we had called ourselves orchid so it was me okay. and clayton and and sean Sherrill. and we had written some of the songs that ended up on the very first shiner record splay in that first time but we tim was known around kansas city as kind of a jerk kind of like an <laughs> arrogant jerk who was amazing at drums just ask him you know right. yeah <laughs> he's awesome um and he is amazing an amazing drummer probably one of the best drummers in town he comes and we're whizzing at the hurricane which is the cool bar in town we're at the yep. you're, you're peeing on the ice in the urinal you know and he was like you guys are pretty good the other day i was like oh cool thanks man and i was playing it off and he was like you know if you ever want to jam or whatever let me know and i was like cool man whatever right on and we're pretty happy with jeff you know clayton and um and so I went home and I told I was living with Steve Tulipana, who owns Record Bar also now, and Paul Malinowski. They were in the big band in town called Season to Risk, and they're still a right. band. They still are awesome. And I said, Tim Dow wants to join the band. He goes, huh, he's probably going to quit on you because he had left Season to Risk. He, he was known as a quitter. Right. And uh, he was like, probably going to quit on you. And he goes, you know what? He'll probably get you further down the road even if he quits. So it might be a good move to let him... And who said that, Steve? Paul and Steve. They, were, Paul. they had mulled it over and said it would be badass. So they were right. It did. I had to break poor Jeff's heart, Clayton's heart. I was like, I'm going to do this. And you, you got this other stuff going on. He was like, what? <laughs> but he and I are still like super tight friends. We live together. Uh, we have lived together and he is still in town here in Chicago. So we're super tight. So I saved that. I was able to fire him and yet save the friendship. Nice. Yeah. That, that's not easy. No, it's not. And it's like sleeping with the, the girlfriend's roommate. Right. It's not easy. It's, it's not. Gabe, who did we see Shiner play with at Metro? Oh, gosh. You what year? It was? 90. 95? Four? Three? Four? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Who, who would that have been? I Who did we you. see you play with at Metro, Alan? That would be a good question. Was it? Um, I mean, we, was it Jawbox? Seen, no, we missed the Jawbox. Jawbox. Well, I, we did miss the Jawbox show there one time because we were. She goes, "You want to open for us?" Kim goes, uh-huh. you, "We got the show for Metro," and we were like, "Okay." We were like leaving and driving up there, and we made a call about noon. She goes, "You're where?" <laughs> I, we were like, "We're in St. Louis." She goes. 
you're not on the show. The show starts in four hours. I mean, you got to be here in, in three hours. You're not going to make it. She goes, just turn around. She was completely disappointed in us. So we missed a show with Jawbox there, but it, it surely we played there with somebody else. I know we did. Um, and I can't think of who it might have been. No, it wasn't, wasn't Peg Boy. Was it Peg Boy? No, it wasn't Peg Boy. It was... Fuck, Sponge? Was it quicksand? I don't know. We walked. We were loading in one time, and Larry from Peg Boy was a Shiner fan, and he was really. Mm-hmm. It was very out of character. I wouldn't have expected it, you know. And he showed up, but Sponge, the band Sponge, had the early show, um, and the dude was walking back to the main guy. Sponge is super talented singer, drummer, whatever his name is from Sponge. Yeah, he was walking back through high heels and glitter and shit, and his post show walking back through, and Larry goes, "Hey, Sponge, you suck." <laughs> And he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, thanks. He goes, no, for real, you suck. <laughs> it's like, that's our fan. I was like, I kind of like that one song with the 16 candles. Larry, he doesn't mince words. Mm-mm. Yeah, you guys were playing Chicago a lot. I mean, yes. But, I mean, what was the Kansas City scene like at that time? It was pretty happening. You, it was. Yeah. It, there was a lot of activity. There was it was all centered around the hurricane, mainly. There was some uh, smaller clubs. You could play Lawrence a lot. So between the hurricane and the shadow, it was a great room called the Shadow. Also, it was really big, um, like a four hundred seater, but it had five hundred seater, but it had different sight lines and firehose played there. Soundgarden, Jane's Addiction, you know, all these ride played there. So it it had the kind of production to take on all these touring bands. So they were all going through the shadow um, early on, and that was really inspiring. There was a metal bar across the street called the Lone Star, and so uh. you could pop over there and see, you know, Stinky Pink or whoever else is playing on the fucking show. I walked in, I saw Love Hate, loudest show I've ever seen in my fucking life. I vibrated who's, across the floor. Who's, who's Love Hate? Hate? I'm gonna act like you didn't say that. What? Jizzy Pearl and the boys? <laughs> They they were out. They had one hit, and it was called "Blackout in the Red Room." Blackout uh-huh. in the Red Room. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I think we were on tour together when you guys decided to break up. Is that true? I think it was at the Metro. We had a we had a terrible. We were weren't getting along. There was some different times where we had said, "Well, you know what? Fuck this." You know, uh-huh. um, and that was part of it. There was just a lot of discontent and it was kind of hard to put our fingers on. We we're fighting and we we're mainly it comes down to just a few things and it's usually creative stuff. Like, I don't like this new batch of songs or like, I don't know where it's going and, you know, or money or something or some sort of like, there's some, you know, it, we weren't doing drugs and we weren't drinking like that. And it's not like, I mean, we smoke weed and we do drink, but it wasn't, that's not a problem. Right. It was a matter of uh, feeling like also this feeling like we were like kind of getting, I felt like I was getting old. I was like 32, uh, 33 years old. I was like, right. we got to get on with this. We got to really get it and get nailed and get signed and we'll get huge. And we're going to, we're not signed yet, you know? So we're, we're, you're kind of in this state of, um, delusion or something or like that's so that was something you guys thought about you weren't just happy on DeSoto and you know all these cool labels that you're putting records out on I think you you were trying we were man so many people we knew 
the reputable friends of ours, you know, starting with Jawbox, you know, they were on Atlantic, they're on ACO. And um, they're on, yeah. they're out on tour with Stone Temple Pilots and doing shit like that. And like a successful long career on an indie label didn't seem like something I could envision. You know, I, I hadn't didn't have that in my mind. It was something like you, you start a band, you do these big shows, you get you get signed to a big label, and then you're huge. You know, and you're um, and we were watching all of our friends in town get signed to major labels. Molly Maguire yeah. was signed to Epic. Um, our friends Hum had a big deal with RCA. And so it's like, these are guys who we regularly are on tour with, sleeping on floors with. And so it's all around us. And we and we did have offers from Hollywood Records, and we had an offer from Atco. And we had offers that we kind of bungled and and didn't follow, follow through with, you know? How so? We would blow the dinner with the person or not show up or it was like really kind of arrogant silly stuff you know like one time we had a meeting with two different a and r people at the same dinner and tried to have them like this is tim dow's idea i gotta blame it on tim uh <laughs> but uh i was like how are we sure we're we supposed to do he was like fuck it i don't know you know at that point it felt like it was inevitable at a certain point you know and um, so in the meantime, we were signed with DeSoto and enjoying it. And that's, it was a very reputable, cool indie label. But it was like, we were like, all right, let's do something. Let's, let's do, let's get, you know, let's get signed. It was, it wasn't just let's get signed. It was, I don't know if we would have said that, that directly, but we did have management. We took on management um, at a certain point around Starless. And then we, and then we just kind of said, fuck it. It was around uh the egg when we were just like, ah, fuck it. Let's just write our record. And it was the best record, you know, that we had made. Um, yeah. Uh, so we were kind of freed from that shackle from those shackles.
At the end of the egg, we were having our biggest shows ever. We were playing very successful shows all around, and there was a, a weight of that kind of, and a certain kind of unrest in the band. I can't, it's hard to really put our, my finger on it, but um, we don't have that now. There was a certain unrest that we were just not enjoying our time together. There was divisions. There was some, it was just not as, um, as cohesive a unit as they're supposed to be, you know, and it made us uptight and it made us fight and it made it, it was just like, wasn't fun. So we were like, you right. know what? I don't want to, we don't have to. Oh, yeah. somebody wants us to do some shows. <laughs> nope. We don't have to. And so we were going to play our, one of our last shows up at SoCal underground in Omaha. I'm sure you've played SoCal underground. Um, yeah. And uh, right. we hit we hit a deer in a rental van, and that cinched the deal <laughs> with blood, hair, and shit all along the side of the van. You know, is that people don't tell you that when you hit a when you hit a deer, they no, you yeah. know, it's it's comes. all over the place. There's all all of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's all part of it. That's kind of poetic. We hit the deer, it's over. Yep, and so we limped our way back. We pulled the fender out and made it back, and we were just like, "I'll talk in a few weeks," you know, and and um, we decided oh, not man. to. So, so then you do the life and times. I do the life and times. Pretty I, quickly. 
pretty quickly i had i had already been i had been writing a lot of stuff anyway you know i was i'm always just kind of a prolific writer uh, um i enjoy the process of writing so i had a fair amount of material that i had bounced off of the shiner guys and they weren't really vibing with it there's probably four or five six tunes paul was feeling it Gherkin was on the fence and Josh wasn't really having, but Josh was in a different place at that time. Um, what was, what do you think it was about the songs that I I don't think it was about the songs. I think there was just other things going on. We shouldn't, shouldn't have been writing. I think the songs were fine and it would have been, um, it would have been cool. They would have been cool. Um, it, I'm not saying it was like my best material ever, but it was like, surely enough to start the writing conversation with you know and then we turn right. then we turn it into something larger um but um so i ended up using some of those tunes some of them i didn't i ended up using some of those songs and writing with mike myers austin powers no i knew you were gonna think that not that mike myers i mean i could have gone with michael myers or michael myers not that one either Okay, but uh, a really talented drummer and old friend of mine. He actually has it played drums on my new solo record too, on three songs. Okay, so uh, he and I started just woodshedding for about six months, and we had about forty songs. It was very easy, you know. He'd come over yeah. on Tuesdays and Thursdays between like one and three, and um, one and four or something, and. I just had a couple of things. I was like, hey, give me this beat, you know, and would go rock. And it was just very easy. There was only one melodic instrument and one rhythm instrument. So it was, as you know, it makes it easier. You know, you're not having to have these note conversations with people. It's just like, here's what it is. And now I'll put the bass down. <laughs> right. And so this group of songs, you were able to kind of draw from it for a while after that, right? Oh, yeah. I probably culled from that for... for Four records, four Life and Times records. I mean, in at least maybe one piece or something, this and that. Some of some of them showed up on a couple of records in, but yeah, I was able to use them a lot. And I, not that I didn't write new material for each record. There was always a bunch of new material. But then you go, hey, what's this old song right here? And you know, there was a way to make it live even further down the road. So, but you didn't stay with Mike Myers. I didn't. As funny a guy as he is. And as, very as good as he is at as rich as he was, I mean, he offered didn't stay with you know, him. Was, uh, so, um, no, he was offered a full time job that he couldn't turn down. And I understood I was I was bummed at the time, but uh, it allowed me to kind of regroup um, with Eric Abert and Chris Metcalf. I kept oh. the name. I had the songs. I'd already put out an EP. We put out an EP um, with uh, Myers and. John Meredith uh, on bass, an old friend of mine, talented dude, also an engineer. But uh, so we just kind of like scrapped that and we started fresh, but we kept the name Life and Times. It's my project. I mean, and but once we had get gotten Eric Abert, we tried out about 10 drummers that I thought would be great. And they were not great. Uh They were not prepared or ready or and they just didn't have the right vibe really kind of and um i was like oh shit and then i got down to it and i remembered chris metcalf is in town and i was like you want to come jam he goes yeah man i've been trying to find somebody to play guitar with and i was like no can you play drums i've got the guitar (laughs) down 
<laughs> he wanted to jam. He was like, I can't wait to jam. He goes, I thought you had Myers. I was like, no, I, I didn't even know you played dr- guitar, dude. So I just need you to play drums. All drummers play guitar. I, of it's, course. Just, it's just so fucking annoying, isn't it? <laughs> just do your thing and do it well. Oh, God. You know who doesn't play guitar is Jason Gherkin. Does oh, yeah. not play guitar. But he can whistle every solo, guitar solo, ever. Ever. That's pretty good. Yeah. Gabe, can you do that? Can I whistle? Every guitar solo ever. <laughs> Gabe's zoning out. No, no, no. I'm checking something out. What are you checking out? I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the list of guests that Alan has had on his podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh. He's obsessed with <laughs> no, the podcast now. I am. I'm going to have a lot of listening to do here. I got a lot of listening to do. <laughs> <laughs> what guests are you, are you seeing? Well, the first one was Alan Cage because I'm, I'm a big Quicksand fan. That's the most recent one, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, you had some of the people that, that we've had, uh, John Agnello, mm-hmm. uh, some name, some names that I don't recognize, but uh, Ken Andrews. Oh yeah. So you know, we got some catching up to do here. Indeed. Oh really? You're getting a fire lit under your ass now. This is good. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. This is no. This is great. Listen, you guys are making close. I can see you in my rearview mirror. You're right behind. Me. <laughs> So at what point do you move to Chicago? 2000. You're not in Chicago when you started Life and Times, are you? No, it was it was uh, 04, 03, 04. And we didn't move till 2009. Uh, Life and Times had all kind of splintered. Eric was in New York. Chris was in Kansas City. And I moved to Chicago. Pam, my wife, got a job, finished her doctorate, and got a job at Erickson Institute here in town. And... Um, which is uh, a graduate institution that specializes in um, children with disabilities and teaching secondary ed, teaching teachers and new methods and, you know, the, all of it. So. so you come to Chicago, which seems like it seemed like a, a good move for you. It seemed like, I, you know, the thing to do. It does. It does seem like a good thing. I, I had she was like, we need to get a job. Can, what are some cool cities? You've been everywhere, Alan. And I was like, well, you know, I was like, I got a lot of friends in Chicago, but I don't want to live in Chicago. Because <laughs> I neither. Because I know. <laughs> because I know the 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 cons of living in Chicago. I've been here through some of that, and I was like, yeah, um, you know, Louisville's a great town. Champagne, yeah. great town. Terrific. Minneapolis, cool town, you know, big and best. I, I like, yeah, it's a great town. I like Minneapolis. And uh, yeah. so uh, there was some of the cities I had listed and she got the best offer in Chicago. And I was like, Chicago it is. Uh, and I did no kicking, no screaming. It just is what it is. When, when she yeah. gets that gig, it is what it is. And so I showed up in town with no job. The only person I really knew who could help me was Bruce Finkelman, who right. is the owner of the empty bottle. And, a lot more now and i yeah. and i had heard through tim edwards who was booking shiner at the time and life and times from flower right. flower booking um he was like they're starting a new restaurant you ever bartended and i was like no and then so he goes you should you should reach out to bruce and so i emailed bruce and he goes you ever bartended and i said yeah and mm-hmm. and he goes show up on wednesday and help jim load in uh 
and that means you know put all the liquor away because the because the liquor shows up on Wednesday. That's how that goes, and you put that away, and you got to put it in. You got to stoop down these Chicago basements. That's what it is. Under the empty, under the under Longwood and Eagle, and probably under the empty bottle, it is, you know, it's only five feet tall. You know, so everybody yep. stoops when you walk under in these restaurant basements. And so you go down there and you load liquor. And so I did that. And I spent next 10 years there um, learning about whiskey and cocktailing and how to deal with people. Any One of the things I have learned bartending at Longman and Eagle, thank you, Bruce Finkelman, for the job, uh, is that bartending, a lot of people can bartend, but to, real bartending is dealing with people. It sounds, right. it sounds cheesy, but it's like, it's the truth because you learn how to hold court and give an experience and not like there's flair or anything, but just like you learn how right, to like right. regulate the night and de-stress the crowds and like work it, you know, people can, there's a lot to it, but, um, I did enjoy it. I had a good time. Didn't mind working with food. I did not want to work with food, but then you also realize that every time you walk in, it smells amazing. There's great new dishes. Yeah. People, these guys care about what they're doing. You learn to love it. You know, you learn about the different processes of confit and sous vide and all these different things and what it means, you know, um, yeah, it, it was, it's not a, it's not something that I regret. I enjoyed my time there and it was definitely helped me pay the bills. Are you at Fitzgerald's now? Mm-hmm. I am at Fitzgerald's. I'm really enjoying what's it. What's going on over there? I mean, we played a show there, and it was like, it was like everybody was there. I know, I know. I I, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a really great room. I enjoy working in a music environment. the The bartending is a lot more fun. There's a couple yeah. of hours of setup. Then a great band plays, or a solo artist like Joel Patterson or somebody who's always playing at the Green Mill, and we had. Mavis Staples. We had Los Lobos the wow. other day. We have like, Whoa. I know, and just like the just the regulars, the blues guys like Nick Moss and Toronzo Cannon, and and uh, just uh, it's just the regular ballers that come through there and play to like sometimes smaller houses is just like it's staggering to me. Um, and just to be, I'm so glad I'm not like working in like an indie rock or rock environment, some club. I think I would be fully burned out. But to watch these bands these blues and jazz guys and there's, there's latin jazz and there's cover bands and stuff but not much and if there is there's great they're amazing it's like tributosaurus or somebody who's right like insane but they have like huge names come through there you know and local h is is playing and has played you guys got another one coming up or is it is it in march no no but you that did was that was yeah i think it was last march yeah but it was just like everybody I knew was there. Yeah. And, you know, they just, I was like, what's what? going on? It's the new bottle. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is that what's going on? Is that what you guys are doing? I don't think it's quite that, but there is a really good vibe there. It's, and I really enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Alan? Yeah. Were you working the night that Donnie V from Enough's Enough played Fitzgerald? <laughs> oh, here we go. I was not. When, what night was that? Because I'm an Enough's Enough fan. You are? Right on. It was shortly before the pandemic kicked in. Okay, so I wasn't like, there was then. Deep. I was still at Longman. And uh, I, I don't think they're having folks like Donnie V back. Although, I know he's not in the band anymore. Uh, I follow them on Instagram. And right now, they're in, I don't know, Europe or something. I've been actually playing to big rooms in, in, in England. Is that true, Ben? It is. 
they might be playing in big rooms, but they're probably empty. I mean, yeah, it's chips enough that's doing the vocals. It's it's not a good scene. But but even back even when I even when Donnie V was at Fitzgerald's, that was post enough's enough. Okay. Yeah. I I I saw them at I saw them here in town play to not many people at uh Livewire. And I was like, Oh, they're really fucking good. Cause I, I always liked Flying High Michelle and and then the other hit. Yeah. I thought those were really good songs. Um New Thing? New Thing. Yeah. New thing. New thing. And are you still doing Blue Man Group? I am. I am doing Blue Man. I'm. That's right. how the fuck do you play a Chapman stick? It's. You know what? If you know how to play a Chapman stick, you will not get hired. That I can guarantee you. If you walk in knowing how to play a Chapman stick, you will not get the gig because they need you to be malleable and to not be married to that. Because guys who are Chapman stick players are like, you must tap it with the ultimate. You know reverence or right. what it's like it's not that's not, i mean we we bow it we play it in a different way so it sounds like a kind of a rock and cello you know it's like it's tuned in fifths so and we use like uh-huh. half the strings we're only using like six strings five or six strings um so we do bass lines high lines a lot of ebo there is a lot of tapping we do um uh swells and things like that big you know textural pieces um right but it's fun man that's my um that's where I get my health benefits and my 401k and everything else there. I got hired Mike Burns from uh-huh. who played lap steel on my record hired me. Right. Well, nice. you know what? He invited Stephen Howard and I to, to try out in 2010. And I flew back from a get up kids tour. Life and times was out on with get up kids for three weeks. And I flew back from New York in and out. And met them back in Baltimore or something. And I came home to come try out. And I got in mm-hmm. and I was dog shit. And I was terrible. Mm-hmm. And I did not get it. And somebody else got it. Stephen Howard didn't get it either. Then he asked us back a year later. He was like, hey, man, you got any interest in trying again? And I was like, and I said to Pam, I was like, fuck this. Can you believe this guy's asking again? She goes, what? <laughs> what? You should go. Just go try it. What's it going to hurt to try? I was like, fuck this. All right. And so I was like, set it up and went back and Steven and I both got the gig and actually Noah Legger was hired the same day. So nice. that was the freshman class of 2011. Gabe, do you know what a Chapman stick is, Gabe? I can see this look on your face. <laughs> it's no look because I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I have no idea. Cha- you don't have a Chapman stick there, do you? Um, it's, I, it's, I have one upstairs, but it's, I'm taking okay. it in a case. I wish I could. It's like a, it's a big, fretboard with guitar strings and bass strings on it and um mainly made uh famous by tony levin on the tony levin peter gabriel record so (laughs) how many strings does it have on it all of them all of them (laughs) is there is there a famous chapman stick player hell no tony levin tony levin tony levin tony levin's the guy from from king crimson i know he played it in king crimson too you play something called the talking drum. What, what is that? Talking drum is an African instrument where uh, it goes under your arm here, and uh, you you can squeeze right. it, and it raises the you pitch. Got yeah. Okay. So all right. Like, boop, I got you. And do you play it with that like thing that? <laughs> yeah, it's that, a little uh, mallet. Type of. That's exactly right. And like so, if they're throwing it, it uses it's a mel- it's a melodic instrument, but it also or for you know rhythm melodies. 
Um, but they, uh, you also use it for like when the blue man throws the marshmallows across the stage, you go, boop, you know, and it's like a little, boop, like it says it goes in his mouth. Oh, you know, and yeah. so you got to match it up. It's skull. It's, it's showbiz. It's showbiz yeah. is what it is. That's, that's important. I've seen the show. It's very important. You, the mushroom, um, the marshmallow. Or, I wish it was mushrooms. You know, mushrooms there's bit. actually a lot of, uh, there's a lot of the, uh, psilocybin references in, in all of this. So that's pretty interesting. It's baked in the cake. <laughs> isn't isn't there a lot of blue cake? Isn't there a lot of heightism from the blue man people? Uh, there Why? is you tried out and have been turned away. Heightists? No, but they're yes, they are full of people that don't appreciate us people under five six. <laughs> I could never work for the blue man group. Well that's true. But they did hire a gentleman who was I think five nine, five eight, five nine? And they put riser. He had like high heel sneakers. His his black boots that he wore were, were they had risers in them, so he had he had lifts. Who Greg Saran? It was. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that five nine? No, he's like five ten, but he's up in the oh. loft with us. It doesn't matter how short we are. Um, we know this was a gentleman named Nick Rush. He was a uh, he was a. Uh, diminutive stature but he was a really <laughs> great blue man a, a good blue man so you're going to take this solo stuff out on the road or what i think so we have uh i have i actually i know so i've set up five shows in um march we're going to go to minneapolis and omaha down to kansas city and then back through talbot's little joint loose cobra and uh nice yep yeah, and then we're gonna yeah i'm just gonna keep it i want to do local shows um I probably will write another record. I don't know how I'll do that. I think I'll probably write it myself again. I, I you know, I just, I don't want to be shackled by being in another band. I love that these guys play with me, you know, um, and um, I don't want to take that for granted. But I don't want to write a band record, you know. Right. I just want to do it. Right. I mean, it seems it seems like you you got this. Shiner mm -hmm. is still active. Oh, yeah. So is Life and Times. Mm -hmm. You're doing bird hands with Ian. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like you've kind of got it all. Like you're in a really good place where you can just do whatever you want when the itch. Yeah, scratches. It, it, itches. It, when the scratch needs itching, I think is yeah. what we don't say. No, when uh, so I I'm enjoying the different uh, projects and it is definitely uh, it's been a lot and kind of hard to to concentrate i feel like i'm just punishing people's social media feeds with like oh and here's this you got to come to this show for the, my other project Everybody's like great awesome just show us something with your dog in it or something you know or so you know social media is rough anyway so and, and what about broasis broasis just had a Bro had a triumphant return last month we killed it at uh and i will just i'm saying it out loud we had a great show um at sleeping village it was okay pretty well attended i was happy with it and uh the singer liam gallagher me we had i had uh -huh. no less than four costume changes i've decided to embrace the absurd of it the absurd nature of it and so i started with the giant parka for the first two songs you know the one, yeah and then you shed that and then you've got another one underneath some sort of jean with the the hood and the something else and i had my my air jordans on and then i 
they did a break and we came back. I had another wrap around and another hat piece. It was like, I'm really going into it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What's the best Oasis song and why is it acquiesce? Uh, it is not acquiesce. It is oh, champagne yes, it is. supernova. It's pretty good. And it good. is maybe, uh, I like champagne supernova even when I used to hate, uh, Oasis. Back in the like nineties, I was like not having them. But this song is maybe the best song in the world. I was like, yeah. all this other scronky rock and roll bullshit sucks. I wasn't having the gank and gank and gank and gank. I just wasn't having it. I, I was right. I was I wanted to hear Jesus Lizard and like, you know, and Swerve Driver and this kind of stuff. And I just it was so like it seemed very default and stock, kind of like, you know, like yeah. lazy songwriter or something and I just bunch of block solos in the box yeah just box and, solos yeah. and I I still am not a hugest fan of the solos I don't think he's that great a soloist I just think he's a really amazing fellow Noel and I think the songs are really great and I love the band I think it's great I love all the pageantry and fluff around it all it's amazing all the cocaine and the fighting and the it's awesome and then we set is up there, is there Sorry, is there more than one Broasis, or is this you playing at the 40-watt in Atlanta? Oh, you know what? Somebody is going to get a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I saw that. I, I've seen that flyer. The, I think those guys don't exist anymore, unless that was very recent. In which case, I'm going down to the 40-watt to throw some <laughs> Molotov cocktails at that motherfucker. <laughs> Firebomb that motherfucker. We have a different name for you if you want okay. to switch over. You, yeah. you could be uh, Kanye Twitty. Oh, okay. That's, available, <laughs> that's, that's actually good. How does that have anything to do with it Oasis? Do with that. It doesn't have anything to do with Oasis. <laughs> he, would, he, he would have to change his entire thing. <laughs> yeah. What, so what's, what's he going to wear for, for Kanye Twitty? What's the matter with you? Huh? God, I don't know. Him Kanye up, Twitty, that's an in-joke for this podcast. It's got to do with Alan. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Alan. I'm going to do it. Now I have Speak to do it. It's a challenge. Yeah. The gauntlet has been thrown <laughs> down. <laughs> Gabe. Yes. Now's your chance. Now's this your is moment. A, this is a good segue. Not a good segue, but it's a terrible segue. It's a terrible segue. But Alan, we always talk to our guests and we ask them uh, if they had to pick between two bands to listen to for one, you know, on a deserted island or something, mm -hmm. you know, which would you pick? But this time, Ben and, my, and myself, we're going to predict it, and we're going to write it down before we start. Okay. Uh, I've got my answer written down. Between the two bands, which one would you ha have to uh, have to have? Iron Maiden or The Replacements? For me, it's Iron Maiden. Wow. <laughs> I don't have a marriage to The Replacements. You can't see it. <laughs> we I wrote down The Replacements. I, we both What'd lost. you write? I, I'm not married to The Replacements. I should be. I don't have... The, I oh. never bought that... I never got into it. it. the The production never caught me. The songwriting. Uh, I do know a lot of my friends that I really trust their opinion, and I and I love them. and And they're they say it's replacements, man. Like Chris Metcalf, he knows every fucking replacement song on every record. He can tell you the chronology of all of it. It just never resonated with me. And Iron Maiden did. You know, I I just I love that shit. I I love the the history of that kind of metal, you know, kind of, yeah. you know, out of Thin Lizzy and kind of has that, you know, oh, yeah. the, the harmony solos and 
Uh, Definitely Thin Lizzy, yeah. You know, and... Um, See, Gabe? I tell oh, yeah. you that all the I time. I believe it. No, I, I'm okay. not saying it's not. All right. But they did it better. Oh! <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I, found, I found this dude who plays the Power Slave album on an on a acoustic guitar with all fingers. And it's it's amazing. And he's doing all kinds of stuff on it. I just put it on the background. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But I lost. I wrote down the replacements. Ben, I think you did too. Well, I did I, too. Yeah, I didn't know which way this was going to go because, you know. I didn't either. Well, I kind of love the replacements. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against those guys. I think they're, put them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's some of that stuff where I, I recognize both. that this is greatness. It just didn't resonate with me, like Patty Patty Smith. Guy fell off his chair when you said, "Put him in the Hall of Fame." <laughs> hey, Alan, I saw a live clip of you solo on stage. Um, I don't know when it was, but you were doing some live uh, guitar looping. Yeah, like building layers. Yeah. I love that, but it always seems like that seems like the hardest fucking thing to concentrate on. It, uh, Making a lot of work for yourself. It's, yeah. it's hard. Did it did it take you a while to get into the yeah. get into the idea of being able to do that? Yeah. It took takes a minute. You gotta practice it. And um there's some wizardry with it, but once you once you get once you figure it out and stop fighting it and just listen, you play along with the loops. Um it works because I don't have to work with somebody else and play with it and I can just kind of create some different backgrounds and sometimes it's just a texture or a note and it adds mm-hmm. A lot to it. I didn't want to just do singer songwriter stuff with an acoustic. Um, I just have seen so many rockers, and then they go to do an acoustic record, and it's like I did not want that. I don't want that. I don't think necessarily think this translates that well. I do love acoustics, and you know Elliot Smith, and you know all of it. You know Neil Young. I love it all. I love acoustics, but um, I didn't want to come out and start playing. Shiner and Life and Time songs on acoustics at a coffee house. It's just not what I wanted to do. I wanted to um, open for bands at places like the Empty Bottle or Thalia and just do. And I did that. I, I I opened for Bob Mold. Had my big rig up there, and I'm just make these loops. And um, so it's half. Does Bob Mold know, know that you don't like to replace? No, but I, I do have a funny story <laughs> about that. Uh, okay. He uh, he came in. I walked down to the base into the the dressing room at Thalia, and I walked in and. Uh, I was like, oh, man, it's great to meet you. Friends with Jason Narducci. He's like, oh, Deuce, you know, and we talk about it, or Ducci. He's changed how he says it all the time. How's that? Yeah. yeah. Scorsese, Scorsese. It's, yeah, one, it's one, of one of those things. Revved up like a douchey. And uh, I uh, said, uh, Metal Circus, one of my favorite records. I love that record. It's true. And I said, I love Diane, and it's not funny anymore. And he goes, he goes Grant wrote those. <laughs> I was like, you stepped like, in it, man. Fuck. Of course he did. I was like, couldn't have even. Uh, so that was my big faux pas. It didn't go well from there on out. He was, I don't think he watched my set. That's fine though. He was, I think he was. Um, I think he's heard that before though. I think he's been in that situation before where somebody's like, my favorite Who's Could Do song is Diane. Yeah, and he's like, like can you believe this? He's still having to deal with it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Iron Maiden or Who's Could Do? Iron Maiden or Who's Could Do? Iron Maiden. I, I, there's a lot I just you know I oh boy don't I don't wouldn't go back to Minneapolis soon, <laughs> that's good point. oh you turn you're fast turning into Gabe's favorite guest look at Gabe he's the beaming oh, yeah. 
I was gonna take one. I was gonna take an zero and one into the next episode. We're we're keeping a running tally for this year. <laughs> for this year, we're keeping a tally. Okay, yeah, after good. after episode one hundred, started zero. And I said earlier to Ben off air, I said it's gonna be zero and one this time. He goes, I don't think so. So I'm one and zero. You gotta love it. This is gonna be exciting. Yes, thanks. Thanks for doing this, Alan, and thanks for uh. This was great. Just you know, kicking this bullshit into gear. I'm here. Telling you, man, you gotta. I'm just. I'm keeping it rolling. I appreciate yeah. you guys having me. This is very fun. Well, thanks. Thanks for doing it. And I and I I, I was out of town. Otherwise, I would have seen the show. I, I love the new record, and I really want to see the stuff live. Thank you, and, sir. And I, I, you know, it's it's the right way to make a, a solo record. Well, yeah, I I've appreciate tried. that. I've tried to do it before, and, and I think you did it right. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, I had to get over myself. Uh, I was like, can you fucking believe I got to call it this? And oh, now I got to do shirts. And I was like, well, everyone's going to think I'm so pretentious and all this. And Paul Malinowski was like, you just got to get over it. This shit's awesome. And just put your record out, man. Get over yourself. And, and I was like, oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, that's what impressed me that you that you did that. <laughs> that you didn't, you know, call it, you know, desert rain. Yeah. It could have been. It could have been anything. You know, I mean, Destroyer, the guy, what's his name? Dan from, he, he's he got it. Uh, Dan Behar. Dan, yeah, right. and he, he calls it Destroyer. Name. That's great. You know, I just like, I didn't want to get into another thing where people have to search who this is, you know, where this is at. So yeah. I wanted to draw from Life and Times and Shiner fans and, and have them not be confused and what it was. This is an Alan Epley solo record. So. You're a marketing genius. <laughs> Call it what it is. Wait, 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 hold on. Desert uh, rain? Don't use that. I'm, that's my next uh, project. Hi, we're desert rain. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't work. Yeah, that was it. We, we were desert rain. <laughs> we were. <laughs> <laughs>